with him and his beautiful family to Ecuador last year and get to know them. Um, but he is with Reaching and Teaching. He will be leading us and encouraging us today and speaking a little bit more about him, uh, him and his family and his ministry that God has placed him in. I'd like to welcome you guys to Jimmy Winfrey. Well, good morning. If you have your Bible with you this morning, you can open up to Psalm 96. Psalm 96. While you're turning there, just want to say thank you for having me this morning. That was a joy to worship with you all. And even as we were singing and we, we sang the words, we are the church. We are the hope for this earth. And that's the truth. Uh, as I'll speak about this morning, ultimately God has chosen to redeem fallen sinners like you and me, to gather us together into what he calls the church in order to make disciples to the ends of the earth. He has chosen churches just like this to be his vehicle for redemption, his vehicle for proclaiming his glory. And man, what a privilege it is to be a part of it. Amen. So let's read starting in verse 1 of Psalm 96. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Proclaim his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. His wondrous works among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. For he is feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, you families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and enter his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Let the whole earth tremble before him. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be shaken. He judges the peoples fairly. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and all that fills it resound. Let the fields and everything in them celebrate. All the trees of the forest will shout for joy before the Lord because he is coming. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his faithfulness. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you have chosen to redeem a fallen people like us and to make us your ambassadors, to give us the gospel in our mouths to take to the ends of the earth. Because ultimately we know that missions exist because worship doesn't. And you deserve the worship of every single tribe, tongue, and nation on this earth. And Father, we want our lives to be about the purpose of spreading your fame so that you receive the glory that you are due. And Father, even as we read this psalm, it reminds us of Revelation chapter 5 and that day that we long to be a part of 
when we will gather around the throne of the lamb who was slain with our brothers and sisters in Christ from every tribe, tongue and nation, worshiping the one who gave himself up for us and saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is he to receive honor and glory and power that is due his name because he alone is worthy. Father, give us that motivation. Give us that vision. Give us that dream of seeing your name proclaimed among the peoples of the earth. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together with the saints of Red Hills this morning. Bless this church. Bless their efforts to reach this community, this state, this nation, and their efforts to make a difference in missions around the world. Thank you for these sweet brothers and sisters and all that they mean to us and our family. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm going to talk just a little bit about our uh, calling with reaching and teaching and how you all are an integral part of that. Because as I mentioned previously, God has chosen to use the vehicle of the local church to be that through which he makes disciples of all nations. And so if we want to go to the first slide here, just to tell you a little bit about myself. I've been here before. I remember so many of your smiling faces and so glad to be back with you. Um, I hope that as Anthony mentioned, and I'll talk about uh, towards the end of the presentation, I hope that I can see many of you guys in Ecuador ministering alongside us. Because as Anthony and Brandon uh, would testify, it's just such an awesome opportunity to go and make a difference for the Lord um, to the ends of the earth. And so I'm going to talk about the opportunities that we'll have to do that as well. But just uh, a little bit about me and my family. So uh, my name is Jimmy Winfrey, and I've been with Reaching and Teaching International Ministries for six years now. The majority of that um, in Ecuador, in a place called Cuenca, Ecuador. Um, I'm married to my wife, Heather. Uh, We've been married for 15 years now. We met at Boyce College in Louisville, Kentucky, which is actually where Brandon and I uh, know each other from as well. And so I have been, by the way, praying for you all during this transition. Um, I know how difficult it must be um, to have a a pastor, the quality of Brandon moving on. But just to encourage you, as much as Brandon loves this church, as much as you all love this church and care about its future, The Lord loves this church more than you all do. Jesus loves this church so much that he gave his life up for his bride. And so he is sovereign and he will care for this church. And you can, I can guarantee you that. And so just know that we're praying for you all in your transition as you seek for a new pastor as well. So we have five kiddos, um, ages 11 to almost two. Um, Wallace, our youngest, was born on tax day. Uh, a couple years ago, and so we're getting ready to celebrate that. His birthday is always easy to remember. Our four-year-old Weston was born in Ecuador, and interestingly enough, my wife is a quarter Korean. Her grandma is from Korea, and so when we got married, I just kind of expected that all of our kiddos would be kind of dark skin, dark hair, but most of them ended up looking like they're from Utah, you know? (laughs) And I was just like, I don't know how that happened, but it did. But Weston, he is dark hair and dark skin. And we always joke that it's because he's Equatoriano. And he was born in Ecuador, so he looks like them. He's small like them. And so they always think that that's funny. Um, And so we have these five kiddos. And then... Uh, I told Anthony last night, and I think you guys are actually the first outside of our immediate family to know, but we've got a sixth on the way. And so (laughs) Heather, Heather's about nine weeks along. And, you know, um, I just think that 
it was just such a blessing to be a part of the baby dedication uh, in, in God's sovereign timing to be here for that. I just think one of the most countercultural things that we can do as Christians is to talk about the blessing of children. Because we live in a culture that thinks that children are a burden. We live in a culture that is willing to kill their children in the womb in, in order to advance their own uh, purposes in, in life. And yet the word of God tells us that children are a blessing and they're like arrows in the quiver of a warrior. And as we have children as Christians, we're able to point them in the direction of godliness and shoot them out to make a difference in this lost and dying culture. And so what a blessing it is. But even as I was thinking about that, I was like, I'm not so sure how countercultural it is here in Utah because there are a lot of children running around, right? <laughs> so in most of the country, most of the world even, it is countercultural, even though it may not be so much here. Uh, we were joking about that a little bit last night with Anthony, but we're just so thankful for God's blessing on our family. So uh, we've had the opportunity to serve in Ecuador for the last four and a half years, and then just recently, Reaching and Teaching changed presidents. And the uh, man, Ryan Robertson, who is the new president of Reaching and Teaching, he was previously doing um, mobilization, which is basically recruiting and preparing missionaries to go to the field. And so when he took over as the president of Reaching and Teaching, we had a conversation about the possibility of me, of me taking over his previous position. And so after much um, counsel and prayer, uh, we decided that that would be an opportunity to impact not just Ecuador while we continue to go back and teach um, and disciple pastors in Ecuador, but also to impact um, so many other nations as well. And so now we have the opportunity to do that via mobilization, as I'll talk about here in just a second. So if you want to go to the next slide, um, one of the reasons that reaching and teaching exists is because we believe that the local church is God's means for making disciples of all nations. So ultimately, a church needs a leader. And so often around the world, unfortunately, pastors are just not equipped to lead their churches. One of the reasons that reaching and teaching is necessary is because missionaries for so long would go to a place, they would plant a church, which, you know, it would be three or four people in a house, and they would call that a church. Then they would move on after uh, a few months, do that again, move on, do that again. And so the fruit of that is, for example, in a place like Zambia, where they, they planted many of those churches, over half of those churches in Zambia are now Jehovah's Witness Kingdom Halls or Mormon temples. And that's so unfortunate but it's a result, it's a fruit of not fully obeying all of the Great Commission. Because the Great Commission calls us to make disciples and not converts. The Great Commission calls us to teach them all that Christ has commanded us. And we simply can't do that in six months. It takes time and it takes relationship. And so reaching and teaching is fully committed to sending all of God's people to obey all of the Great Commission. And a big part of that is equipping pastors to fully understand the word of God so that they can help their people to do so. And I think for us so often, it's hard for us in our context to understand that because we've always been blessed with such great pastors like Brandon who are equipped, uh, have an understanding of the scriptures that they can impart to us. And we just can't imagine what it would be like to sit under a shepherd who simply doesn't understand the gospel. And yet, unfortunately, as this graphic here shows, 85% of pastors around the world have no theological training whatsoever. So here in the States, one for every 276 churches 
sorry, there's one trained leader for every 276 people here in the States. One trained leader for every 276 people here in the States. And that's why in most of the country there's a church on every corner, and most of those churches have a leader with theological education. Once you leave the United States, it's one trained leader for every 450,000 people. And so this great need for theological famine relief is just beyond anything that, that um, we often think about. But it's one of the greatest needs of the global church. And so what we do, if you want to go to the next slide, we go around the world and we teach these modular one-week courses. We do more than just this, but this is one of the central things we do. We teach these modular one-week courses three times a year for three years. So it's basically giving uh, pastors, leaders, those who have been called to the ministry, opportunities to have a seminary come to them. Because so many of them would never have the means or resources to get to a seminary in the States. Usually nothing like that exists in their context. So we bring it to them. And so we teach them New Testament, Old Testament, uh, hermeneutics, preaching, all those kind of things that you would learn in, learn in a seminary setting. And so by doing that, we give um, Christians around the world an opportunity that they would otherwise never have. So these pictures are actually... Uh, I, I'm sure you can't see it, but uh, Anthony and Brandon and Kent are in the left-hand corner way in the back of that picture of our class in Guayaquil that we taught. Um, I guess it's been almost two years now. We've been trying to get back there, but of course with the quarantine and the pandemic, we haven't been able to get back. But we're hoping, as I'll talk about, to have another class in January. Um, but we gather um, churches and their leadership from all around these areas to come together and they study. It's amazing to see. I hope that so many of you guys can be a part of it. It's amazing to see these leaders come and just be so hungry to learn more about the Word of God. Uh, for example, in Ecuador, in, in eastern Ecuador, where the Amazon rainforest is, maybe some of you all are familiar with Jim Elliott and the missionaries that were martyred. This was very near um, to that area. We have a class in the Amazon rainforest where pastors and leaders will travel five days by boat just to come to our trainings because they're so hungry for the Word of God. And we have situations like that all around the world with reaching and teaching. And so it's just such a privilege to be able to go and to share God's word with them so that what? In turn, they can share God's word with their people, right? It's just like Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. What you have learned from me in the presence of many witnesses, pass on to faithful men who will in turn do likewise. That's God's plan for reaching the nations. It's that we would make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. That's exactly what we're about uh, all over the world. So the, the, that's Ecuador right there in the map. And those stars just represent different training sites that we've established. Uh, Guayaquil is the one that Red Hills has adopted. And we just can't be more thankful than to partner with a church like you. And let me just say, we don't just partner with any church. Um, unfortunately, in the Southern Baptist Convention... You know, you can have a church that is a member of the Southern Baptist Convention, and we wouldn't agree with virtually anything they believe. And that's really sad. But we're so thankful for solid congregations like Red Hills who we can partner with and we can trust that you all believe the truth and you're going to preach the gospel and you're going to help people around the world to believe that gospel. That's, that's God's grace in your lives. And so I hope that you understand that and appreciate it. Um, if you want to go to the next slide... 
So another thing that we do as far as in my role of mobilization, not only in teaching classes, um, we do the one-week classes. We also established a seminary in Cuenca, Ecuador, where we could do even more in-depth teaching uh, in Ecuador. And we have these classes in in, um, several countries all around the world that we have the privilege of teaching uh, in, but I also have the privilege of teaching at a place called, at Boyce College, which is the undergraduate school of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And in in that role, I've had the opportunity to um, uh, disciple and teach young people, uh, both college and seminary age. Um, we have a Sunday night study in our house, and so this is just our group uh, from our Sunday night study. Several of them have the call to missions, and even among those. Who, and I would say this to you, especially young people here today, whatever your vocational calling may be, whether it's to full-time ministry, whether you may want to be a missionary or you want to be a businessman or, or a lawyer or whatever, a doctor, it doesn't matter. I would just encourage you to think and pray, Lord, how can I use whatever you've called me to do for the spread of your gospel to the ends of the earth? How can I use my life, lay it down in order to make your name famous around the world? Because ultimately, we can't do this with just a few people going. We need this massive army to go. And just as we sang, and we're going to look at here in the scriptures in just a second, the church is what puts fear in the darkness. The church is what Satan is afraid of. He's not afraid of a few individuals here and there. Because it's just like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen like National Geographic, like when a lion is getting ready to try to get, you know, a wildebeest or a zebra or something like that. Do you ever see a lion like run into the middle of this huge herd of stampeding wildebeest to try to get one? That doesn't happen. Because what's going to happen to the lion? He's going to get trampled and he's going to die. Uh, that reminds me of Simba in The Lion King. Oh. My favorite movie. There's so many good lessons to be learned, but we'll move on. Um, No, what's he do? He goes for the small, the sick, the young, right? The isolated. And that's exactly what so many of our Christians are like out there trying to do things by themselves. We are not called to this lone ranger Christianity. We're called to be part of the local church in order to build us up so that we can build others up and then we can do this together. And that's why, as we're going to see uh, in the next slide, if you want to go on, it's so important that we see our role in God's great commission and his plan to reach the nations for Christ. So if you want to look in Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 13, I want you to see the importance of the local church and specifically the importance of the role that Red Hills has to play in God's plan to reach the nations. So this is Acts chapter 13. Starting in verse 1. The word of the Lord says this. Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul For the work to which I have called them. Then after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. 
Arriving in Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. So I want us to look at this passage for just a moment. What's happening here? What we have is a local church at Antioch that was full of various people from various walks of life who had been saved by the same Lord. If you want to look here, we have Barnabas, we have Simeon who was called Niger. Niger is simply a Latin term for black. This is a North African brother who was saved and was a part of the, um, of the church at Antioch, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch. So we have poor people, we have rich people, we have royalty, we have normal people. And then look who you have, Saul. And who was Saul? He was a religious Pharisee of Pharisees who had persecuted the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then by God's grace, he was converted for what purpose? For this very purpose here. What's it say? Set them apart. This is verse two. The the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And what was that work? To be sent out to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth. And and look, in verse 4, for example, you see that they're being sent out uh, to Cyprus, which is, is, which is across the sea from Antioch. And then what do they do in verse 5? They proclaimed the word of God. You see, it's a simple task. We are called to preach the word. Preach the word in season and out of season. Preach the word when it's popular and when it's not. Preach the word when you'll be loved and when you'll be hated. Preach the word. Why? Because Romans 1.16, the power of God unto salvation is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our calling. This is what we do together as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when you think about a missionary or an apostle, it comes from the word apostle in the Greek, which is simply sent or set apart. So what are you called to do as a church? Well, not every single one of you has the vocational calling to full-time ministry or to full-time missions, but all of you have a calling to participate in the Great Commission. You really have three options when it comes to this. You can either be a sender, which by virtue of being a member of Red Hills, you are a sender because not only do you support uh, missionaries like us financially or through um, the cooperative program, the IMB, you, you are just by virtue of being a member of this church, you are a sender, right? Or you can be a goer in which you actually go and do what God has called missionaries to do, like Saul, Saul and Barnabas here. So you can be a sinner, sender, not a sinner. You can be. Funny story. I'm sorry. Side note, I can remember um, one of the fun things about being a missionary is language learning, fun, and one of the hardest things. And, but the good thing is, like, the funnier your mistakes are, the more memorable they are. And so I can remember one of the first times that I was in Guayaquil, which is where uh, Red Hills partners with us. Um, they have a different accent on the coast. Um, they're Spanish. They basically kind of cut it in half, and they don't say their whole word, which when you're kind of learning Spanish, you're kind of like, I need the whole word, please. You know, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not an expert at this. But I can remember one time um, the church took us to a restaurant, and somebody asked me if I wanted sopa pecado, sopa pecado. 
And I was like, I can't eat sin soup. Anybody here speak Spanish? Sopa is soup and pecado is sin. I was like, I'm a Christian. I can't eat sin soup. That's really bad. And then they explained to me that, no, they're asking you if you want sopa pescado because they don't say their S's and pescado is fish. And so I was like, okay, oh, fish soup. Okay, I can do that. Fish soup is okay. Sin soup, I'll pass on that. But so we're all called to either be cinders, goers, or we're disobedient. Those are your three options because we're all called to participate in the Great Commission. And so by virtue of being a part of this local church, you are sending out missionaries. You're sending out workers to take, uh, to, to go into the harvest and to proclaim the word of God. And you all are part of that. And so as we'll talk about in just a second, there are responsibilities that come with that, that I pray that you would take seriously because it's a huge part of God's plan to reach the nations. And not only do, should you strive to be a sending church, where you are searching for opportunities to send missionaries. Because look, this local church set apart Barnabas and Saul specifically to send them out. And think about this for a second. Think about Saul's qualifications. He probably had the Old Testament memorized. He, was a, he studied under Gamaliel, who was like the greatest scholar of his generation. They're sending him out away from their church. They're losing him as a part of their weekly gatherings. Think about that sacrifice. So often I feel like churches are just like, well, we'll just send anybody willing to go, right? No, we wouldn't call a pastor just because somebody says, I want to be a pastor, right? I'll be your pastor. Just let me. Okay, fine. It's no big deal. doesn't matter if you're qualified or not, right? Well, we wouldn't do that with our pastors. Why would we do that with our missionaries? We ought to send out, as Reaching and Teaching Um, we're really concerned with establishing healthy churches, training healthy leaders, but a big part of that is sending healthy missionaries, well-prepared missionaries. And so I'd pray that you guys would be willing to encourage the best of the best among you, those who know the Lord the deepest, those who love the word the most, be willing to send them out to make a difference. And then guess what? Raise up another one and send him out. Raise up another one and send her out and keep the process going as you impact the nations. That's exactly what we see happening here. And then if you want to go to the next, you can stay on this slide, but if you want to go to the next verse in your Bibles, um, if you, yeah, Philippians, sorry, threw you a curveball right there. If we just want to turn over quickly to Philippians chapter four, one of the interesting things here is that even though Antioch is Paul's sending church, right? It's Paul's home church. It's where he's being sent from. In a similar manner, Red Hills is not my official sending church. My membership is at, catch this name, Bullet Lick Baptist Church outside of Louisville, Kentucky. Okay, that's, that's actually where Heather and I uh, first got to know each other. So um, there's a lot of, I don't know if there are any licks here in Utah. There are a lot of licks in Kentucky. Uh, my family is from Salt Lick, Kentucky. I have an aunt who lives on Mud Lick Lane. So her address is like 111 Mud Lick Lane, Salt Lick, Kentucky. So there's a lot of licks going on in Kentucky. But we're from Bullet Lick Baptist Church, and they're our official sending church. They sent us out from within their congregation, right? But look at this here in Philippians chapter 4. Paul 
Paul is basically writing a lot of his letters in the New Testament to supporting churches who are senders, supporters of his missionary efforts. That's the majority of his letters in the New Testament are basically prayer letters, newsletters, support letters back to his sending churches as he's going about his missionary efforts. But look at verse 10 of Philippians chapter 4 here with me. Paul says, um, let's actually skip down to, to 15. Paul says this, And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so the interesting thing here is that Paul not only had senders from his actual sending church, but he had partnerships with other churches in the area. It was a group effort. It was a team effort of churches individual local churches partnering with other local churches to make an impact for the gospel to the ends of the earth. This is God's plan. God has planned for churches just like this to send out from among its, its body missionaries and to also partner with other churches to support other missionaries. And so for us, for example, we have seven or eight different churches that partner with us. Um, we have many individuals from those churches that partner with us, but all of us have the same goal. And what's our ultimate goal? It's to see the Lord Jesus glorified among the nations from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And so I would just encourage you guys, as you think about your responsibilities, as you think about your opportunities to impact the nation, pray that you just wouldn't be a sending church, but that you would be a staying church. That you would be faithful to persevere in giving, to persevere in sending, to persevere in praying. There's a story of um, William Carey, who we call the godfather, or not the godfather, but the father of modern missions. And he was sent out by his church that included a really famous Baptist theologian, theologian named Andrew Fuller. And William Carey told his church and the local association... I will go down into the depths of the pit to reach the darkness for Christ if only you all will hold the rope while I descend into the darkness. And I just think that's such a beautiful picture of the senders and the goers. It's like there's this cliff and there's this dark, dark pit at the bottom. And the senders are holding the rope. And there's a lot of people that are supporting this rope as the missionaries descend down into the pit to preach the gospel in the darkness of this dying world. But here's the problem. So often, churches who initially agree to send, they start to let that rope fray as they forget about their missionaries. They don't pray for them. They don't support them. And all of a sudden, as that rope begins to fray, if it frays too much, what's going to happen? That missionary is going to fall. And so I pray that you all, as you have for years with us, and as I know you have for years uh, through the cooperative program and other means, I pray that you would see your responsibility to not only be sending a sending church, but a staying church. And I was just wanted to read this, um, 
this thought from Aaron Minikoff, who is one of our partner churches in Georgia, a pastor of a partner church in Georgia. He says it very well, and then I want to talk about uh, just a couple ways that you guys can continue to partner with us well. Aaron says this, We find staying churches in the Bible, churches that kept caring years after their missionaries went to the field. The paramount example is Antioch in Syria. This congregation sent Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13.3, but stayed involved for years throughout their journeys. The believers in Antioch provided a home when Paul and Barnabas returned, Acts 14.28. Later, they sent out two missionary teams uh, to assist Paul and Silas as they were headed north to Galatia, Acts 15.40. After much gospel work in Macedonia and Achaia, Paul returned to Antioch, Acts 18.23. So this church was faithful to not only send but to continue to support. And then it goes on to say, It would be wonderful to know exactly how the church in Antioch related to these teams while they traveled. Obviously, they weren't doing Zoom Zoom meetings on the weekends. But nevertheless, we can be certain that the saints in Antioch prayed for boldness. These are some ways that you can be um, supporting missionaries. They prayed for boldness for their missionaries. They provided financial support. They encouraged the workers upon their return. And they strategize the best way to keep the gospel going forward. Like a faithful mother, the church in Antioch stayed alongside Paul and Barnabas. They held the rope. Antioch wasn't alone. Other churches with a similar commitment to serve came alongside these missionaries. The church in Philippi is one example. Paul heaped praise on these believers for their unusual financial generosity. No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, the Philippian church made Paul's ministry in Corinth possible. And so as we, um, as we conclude, if you want to go to the next slide here, I just want to say thank you, first of all, for your years of faithfulness already. You all are a part of what the Lord is doing around the world. There are uh, people who have been saved that you'll never meet in this life. But when we get around the throne of the Lord on that day, when we're gathered together with our brothers and sisters from every tribe, tongue, and nation, there will be believers that are there because of your faithful sending and obedience to the Great Commission. I mean, imagine how glorious that's going to be. But not only that, you all, as, as Anthony and Brandon and Kent in the past have come with us and taught, I would encourage you, as we organize other trips, come with us. Even if you don't feel like you're equipped to teach um, theology, usually the way that we do it is that we have our theology classes at night and we do ministry during the day. And so let's say we have a team uh, um, that comes from Red Hills and you all are passionate about a sports ministry. Um, we could put together a sports ministry during the day in order to reach the community for Christ and to support the local church of the saints at First Baptist Church in Guayaquil. You guys can do that with us. You can be a part of what we're doing. And let me just tell you, you can ask Anthony, once you get there and you meet the people and you see the joy of your brothers and sisters in Christ, despite the fact that they have basically nothing except for Jesus, it's going to be such an encouragement to you, and it's going to grab your heart for missions in a way that you couldn't imagine. And your, your desire to pray 
is going to be elevated so much. Your desire for missions is going to be elevated so much because God is going to use those relationships that you form to encourage you in all that you do. And so as we begin to organize a trip, Lord willing, for next January, I hope that we have 20 people come with us. We would love to have a huge team from Red Hills come and see firsthand what the Lord is doing in Guayaquil, Ecuador. And so there, there are multiple ways that you can be a part of what God is doing. Go with us. Pray with us. If you're not receiving our newsletter, then you should have a sheet here uh, in your bulletin. Uh, this is an opportunity to give, which, of course, this is, this is a p- way that you can partner with us. Just like all of these churches are doing with Paul, they're giving financially because ultimately we are support-raising missionaries. And one of the great things about that is that we get to partner with churches that otherwise I would have never come to Utah. <laughs> as beautiful as it is and as amazing as the state is, I would have probably never had a reason to come to, to are we in Cedar City still or is this Enoch? This is Enoch. I would have probably never come to Enoch, Utah, and I would have missed out on so much. I would have missed out on this beautiful landscape that just reminded me of the psalm that we read at the beginning, how the, the, the heavens declare the glory of God. I would have missed out on the fellowship with so many of you that I've established over the years. And so thank you, Lord, that this is his plan, that we would come together as one in order to proclaim the gospel. And so you can give, you can go with us, you can pray with us. And so I would just encourage you to pray about what your involvement would be and pray about not only being involved, but staying involved, being faithful to hold the rope for years and years to come. And so I think we're going to take up a, um, an offering. So that's one way that you can give. That offering will go directly to ministry expenses. So we have several uh, thousand dollars a year that we have to raise in ministry expenses in order to train pastors, not only in Ecuador, um, but we are sending uh, missionaries to Africa, where we're going to have a chance to teach classes. Uh, We have missionaries in the Middle East. We're about to send a team of three missionaries to Iraq, one of the hardest places in the world to go in order to train and raise up pastors and evangelical workers there. We have 38 missionary families in 28 different countries. And so we have the opportunity to go and help them to teach these classes all around the world. And so all of your money that you give in the love offering will go directly towards paying for those ministry expenses, not only the travel, but the resources that we'll be giving to the pastors, including theology books, Bibles, things that they just otherwise would never have. And so that's one way that you can give. We also, um, my family especially, we live primarily off of monthly support for our uh, finances and for our our living expenses. And so we need to raise about $500 a month to be funded for next year. And so this is an opportunity if you want to do that. You can just fill this out. And then um, usually I have like a little thing where we can fold it and I take half and you take half. But with this, if you are um, um, wanting to give monthly, then just fill this out. I'll take a picture of it. That way I'll just have it for my records. And then you can keep it if you want to go to the next slide. And this is all the information about how to just sign up. And you'll just see a screen just like this on the website. Super simple to sign up. And you can just have it automatically come out each month. And then you'll be personally supporting us uh, in our work in the ministry. So if that's something you want to do, just see me at the end of the service. Uh, And then you can go. So not not only can you go on these um, short-term trips, but there are multiple opportunities, especially for young people. If you are in your 20s, 
And you are praying about the opportunities you may have uh, to do missions or ministry or to use whatever gifting God has given you. There are a couple of different awesome options I want to make you aware of and that we're going to be talking with the leadership here about more in the future. First of all, there's the practicum, which is a six to eight week opportunity during the summer where you can go to various different countries. You can go to Vietnam, you can go to Ecuador, you can go to um, Turkey. There are various different places that you can go and get the experience of being a missionary for a few weeks that it's just different than a one week mission trip. You know, you go for a week and you're kind of always busy every day. You're doing stuff. Whereas you go six to eight weeks, you're going to have some downtime. You're going to get a feel for what it's really like to be in kind of the mundane aspects of being a missionary. You know, I always kind of joke and say we kind of hope that you get sick because we get sick a lot on the mission field, just eating strange things and being around strange viruses, you know. And so it's an awesome opportunity to go and experience life on the field with one of our reaching and teaching families on the field. Not only that, so that's a six to eight week um, opportunity. We're also developing what we call the Reaching and Teaching Global Internship, which is a two-year program where you spend one year in a really awesome local church learning about what it's like in the daily life of a pastor, reading theology, reading books about the local church, writing papers. You do that for a year, and then you go on the field and serve in an international English-speaking church on the field somewhere for a year. So it's a two-year program in which you can just get this amazing experience. So maybe you're getting ready to graduate college, uh, and you're just saying, I'm not sure what I want to do next. Give yourself the missions for a year or two, and I promise you, God will transform your heart in a way that you cannot imagine. And you will want to use all your giftings and your opportunities to make a difference for his namesake to the ends of the earth. So I just want to say thank you one more time. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. We literally cannot do what God has called us to do without awesome, faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in local churches like Red Hills. We just cannot thank you enough for, um, for your participation in the Great Commission. Um, pray for our family as we're um, a little unexpectedly having this new addition here soon. <laughs> Uh, with with this new child, but we trust the Lord, right? We trust the Lord that he's faithful in all these things. And one of the great things um, about it is that they're developing a heart to where they want to see the nations reach for Christ as well. And so just pray that we would be able to faithfully shepherd them and faithfully send them out like those arrows that the Psalms talk about. And then I just hope that many of you guys can come with us next January. I hope to come back here once a year and visit with you all and just continue to build relationships. But I hope that we can go to Ecuador together because that's where we'll really develop that bond that you just can't replicate. Um, outside of the mission field. And so thank you once again. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'll be at the back if you want to give me this. I was going to tell you also, if you want to just, if you can't give, I totally understand. But if you want to be uh, praying for us more specifically, then why don't you just write your name and your email address, even if you can't give, and give that to me, and I'll add you directly to our newsletter so that you can be praying for us as well. Okay? All right. Let's pray.